Welcome to Middle School Matters Podcast number 96, NMSA 09 Wrap-Up number 1, Summaries and Why Middle Schools Matter. Welcome back to the show. Uh, we're back from NMSA, and very, very happy that we're back from NMSA, um, though sad at the same time. So, uh, I guess we should introduce ourselves. Once again, I am Troy Patterson, and with me is... I'm Sean McGurr, and I'm, I'm I'm trying to get Troy's frozen picture posted to Skype. So, Sean, you know. Sean doesn't Sean doesn't know who he yeah. is yet this morning. So, uh, uh, okay, well here we go. I'm, so, well, I'm, I'm really glad to be with you. Yeah. Yeah, well, and then I'm also talking over Troy. <laughs> okay, we'll get this coordinated. We've only, we've this only done this show, 95 times so far. <laughs> <laughs> you think at some point we might actually uh, sound like we know what we're doing, but no. So here we go. We've um, we just got back from NMSA last weekend. So we actually did a recording, but it, somebody hasn't posted it yet. So um, I, I have done the production on it. I just ha- I don't have it posted. It'll be posted shortly. It actually posted before this one probably. So. Um, but uh, so we had a little conversation with March Wells. Thank you, March, um, mm-hmm. for uh, for uh, doing some recording and sitting down there with us. And I think we're going to over the next few weeks, we'll be bringing lots of stuff from NMSA that we learned because there was lots of stuff that we learned. So um, why don't we start off with the Twitterverse, though? All right. Start with Twitterverse. Got you. Uh, I left up a yeah. I left up a, uh, a quote you put up there from last week from Canyons Dave about if you think if you don't like or, uh, if you think you don't like change, wait and see how you like irrelevance. And that actually came up in a couple of conversations this week. So I threw it up there because you know I think we could use it again in the conversation next week too. Yeah, that, um, one, is, that one is really really powerful. It, uh, just I, I, yeah. I'm oh. sorry, I'm, now I'm talking over you. Um, it's, okay. it's okay. One of the things that came out of the conference. Um, was a, a, a real discussion over kind of where we're going and how we're going to get there. And I don't think there's a lot of clarity yet. I think people are really starting to acknowledge that something is going to be different. But I don't think there's clarity or agreement on exactly what or how it's going to be different. So, But if we don't start doing the change now, we're never going to get there. So... I would agree. I think that's pretty powerful. And I think it comes down to, we don't we really don't know what things are going to look like, you know, even two or three years out. But if we start trying things and playing with them, then we'll get a better understanding of mm-hmm. what's working and what's not. I think it's going to have to be a little bit of trial and error in order to find our, our way as to how things are going to work. So, yeah, and just uh, as, yeah, a, so hang on to that. as a kind of a quick analogy, you know, we've put Promethean boards throughout my building. And the people that had, the people that have had a background in computers and how computers work, it was a no-brainer to make the shift over to the Promethean boards. The people that weren't comfortable with computers, it's a lot harder for them. And mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. one of the sessions that I'll talk about later on, not today, but in an upcoming show, is Marzano has done a lot of research actually with Promethean boards. Um, And he uses interactive whiteboard 
you know, he's generalizing out. But it was actually done with Promethean boards. And, you know, he makes the point that just because you put a Promethean board in a room doesn't make the instruction a lot much better. Teachers have to have opportunities to change how they do some instruction. And kids have some opportunities to interact with things that they didn't have before or don't have in other ways. So it's up to the, the, the teacher to make some of those changes and do some of those things, but they need background. And I think that's going to be the same thing with a lot of the changes that we're going to see in education is if you don't have any background, it's a whole lot tougher. So, okay. So that's what, 10 minutes on the first <laughs> Twitterverse line? <laughs> this could be a long show, man. And if that's any prediction of... Uh, yeah, we're in trouble. Uh, let's see. KD9SR um, is talking about their State Department of Education is on Twitter, is on Flickr, is on Facebook, is on Ustream, stream, is on YouTube, and produces podcasts, all of which are blocked by the local school district. Yep. Um, Mike Flanagan from the state of Michigan has a uh, does a Twitter um feed he doesn't do that many posts <laughs> but he does have it yes. and it's it's kind of interesting and that was another here we go again that was another um <laughs> common discussion amongst lots of the fee, lots of the um sessions that I was at was there's only one place where kids could actually learn the critical skills of of what is good and what isn't good on the internet and we block most of the stuff that's not good so they just don't get a chance to see it until they go home yeah which then they can indulge in to their heart's content without maybe being taught the skills to differentiate between without and without being taught the critical skills of what's good and what's not and I go back to the, the, the most famous example is probably the tree octopus example Mm-hmm. Yes, and if you if you haven't heard that one, Google Google octopus. Google, just Google octopus. Northwest Pacific tree octopus. Yep. And, and and the the efforts to save it from extinction. Extinction. Yep. <clears throat> and you can see how kids would could absolutely fall into this is something real because it is very yeah, well done. Super sales. Yeah. You know, super sales ask you know for kids to just take a buck and send it in. Well. Imagine this would be a good way to get kids to take a buck and send it in. Say, I just solved my district's budget problems. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, let's see. Bill Ivey, who we met, we met in uh, at NMSA this year, uh, linked to an article about Obama education uh, vision. It's a business plan designed by people who know zero about schools and care zero about evidence. And this is actually he's linking to an article from Education Week. And I'll just read a little bit because it is interesting, uh, provokes some thought, um, and worthy of discussion, uh, not necessarily uh, in here, but in, like on a blog, definitely something like Middle Talk. Um, it starts as a letter. Dear Deborah. I've been trying to ascertain what President Obama plans to do to reshape the federal role in education, and the outlines of his policy are becoming clearer. So far, we have not heard much about what he will do to fix the no-child-left-behind approach, but the signs are not encouraging. And then he goes through, I'm sorry, she, because it's written by Diane, uh, uh, has several points. First of all, he he prefers charter schools to, to public schools. If you look at the places where Arnie Duncan does his education announcements when he goes to schools to announce things, he's primarily going to charter schools. 
and he's going to schools that have class sizes of 20 or less, which, of course, is not the difference between uh, – that's not the same parallel to, you know, most schools which have way more than class sizes of 20. Um, he's endorsing uh, a, a professional merit pay program, which apparently is a, the Texas Education Agency just had a, a review of the nation's largest merit pay program and called the Governor's Educator Governor's Educator Excellence Grant, GEEG for short, uh, which has very interesting uh, uh, results from that research in that um, teachers like the extra pay. They work together to get the extra pay. They have positive attitudes about the program, but the results are very inconclusive as to whether it impact, uh, had any impact on achievement or if the um, students benefited uh, from it. The evaluation criticized it as weakly positive, negative, or negligible effect on gains in student achievement. Uh, so we and we Dan Pink talked about a little about that in the keynote at NMSA, talking about you know there are sometimes when incentivizing actually hurts the the process instead of helping the process. Yep. And um, two things becoming clear, and this is Diane's uh, opinion: one, people who have an agenda will pursue that agenda regardless of the evidence. Um, and at the bottom line is that teachers get bonuses, the impact of student achievement using that same measures we complain about was hard to quantify. In other words, they didn't, you couldn't establish a strong connection between the two. So th this, is a, uh, this is a criticism of our current uh, educational policy. Uh, you're all welcome to take a look at it. We would encourage you to you know, debate the subject back and forth at middleschoolmatters.com uh, at the show notes that we're going to post later on today. I thought I'd post that because it's interesting. Um, how, um, <laughs> there's some folks who are starting to take the U.S. Department of Education to task yeah, over some things they really are, and they're really starting over the merit pay thing because they're really talking about a single, yeah. uh, a single evaluation method for for merit pay as well. And I, I chuckled because the show notes won't be posted later. By the time people hear this, the show notes will be posted. <laughs> <laughs> I take that back. <laughs> I do that at the same time, Sean. <laughs> they don't know that. <laughs> you have to pretend yeah, we're in the future. That's part of this whole podcasting asynchronous life that we are now living. <laughs> asynchronous life, yes. I sync my, pod, my iPod, I sync my iPhone, and now I sync my life. <laughs> That's right. That sounds like a great note title for a book, though, The Asynchronous Life. I like it. Nobody steal that one. It's mine. <laughs> or better yet, uh, steal see. it, write the book, and send me, you know, 30% of the profits <laughs> or whatever. I'd like royalties, please. Um, Zeitz, uh, you're going to hear about this this week and more, especially since the movie's coming out about 2012, the end of the world. Mm -hmm. uh, the Mayan calendar ends on December 21st of 2012, which is yet three years away. But you're going to start hearing talk about it because of the movie, and NASA has a, a link debunking the end of the world with uh, the Mayan story of the Mayan calendar. So that could be an advisory thing, you know, where you talk about talk about that sort of thing. Net Tablet uh, has an, has found an Acer Aspire One D250, not with your regular Windows, not with Linux, but with well, I guess it is a form of Linux, but with Android as the regular hardware. Uh, operating system on the hardware itself, uh, something to look at and, and and play with perhaps. I don't know if it'll save the price of the you know co cost of getting an epic or not, but you're not I don't know, Windows, but I so but I would say if this was a tech pod, 
if this was just a tech podcast, we'd talk a lot about Android because I think that could have a major impact over the next couple of years. We'll see. But it's not. on your phone and your network. It's not. So no, it's won't. not. <laughs> no, definitely, definitely not. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, if you ever thought about this is one for advisory, perhaps. Uh, thought about uh, what cities look like, you know, because you drive into a city. Like we drove into Indy, and it was just kind of like, mm-hmm. boom, there it is. Um, and like when you fly into a city, boom, there it is. Um, well, there's a website that has 360-degree panoramas of many cities. So you could actually find a city and then check it out and do a panorama round trip look of various cities and how they look. might be one way to think outside of the local geographic area and have a conversation about what other people around the nation or around the world, you know, think, talk, differences, uh, appreciation of art and culture, that sort of thing. Uh, this is fairly self-serving, but uh, Karen Chichester has a follow Friday on in the Twitterverse for just Michigan educator tweets, and she's got a list. Uh, Twitter now lets you make lists on groups of people. Well, this is just for Michigan educators, and you're welcome to join. Uh, I hear Nebraska's teasing us because they have more than we do, but we're going to beat them eventually, as long as we don't start laying off more and more teachers. <laughs> yeah. All right, yeah. um, advisory. So, I had a chance to to do a, to cover an advisory this week, and I always have a good time when I cover advisory. This was a sixth grade advisory, and since I wasn't mm-hmm. really prepared to do this, um, I didn't have anything with me. I didn't have any of the spongy balls or anything like that. So um, we I took the kids and we did three true. We did two truths and a lie, and. Um, the kids, we had we had a blast with it because um, what I what I did is two truths and a lie. You need to develop three statements, two of them true, one of them a lie. And so what I did is it was in the it was in our band room. So I had I, I had to you know explain to them how it worked. I had a kid come up, and then what I did is and this was the little twist that I put on it from what I, the way I've done it before is. If they thought the first the first statement was a, a lie, they then they walked over to this part of the room. If they thought the second mm-hmm. part was a lie, they walked in the middle part of the room. And then if the third part was a lie, they went over to that part of the room. So it got them a, it got them a chance to move around. It got them a chance to look at each other and try to decide. And um, the idea was to try to see how many people they could fool, whether they could fool anybody or not. And the, the kids just had a blast with it. And um, I had a good time. There was one kid whose lie was that he doesn't like reading. And so, I, you know, I was going, oh, no, that, that one can't be. That one can't be. That one's not true because everybody likes reading. You know, just trying to reinforce with the kids the positiveness of reading. So I'm saying, oh, no, no, it's everybody likes reading. It can't be that one. It can't be that one. You're not, you know, you're not playing this fair. Blah, blah. And so we go on and we get to a couple of other kids. And I look up, and here's the here's my little boy, sitting in the back of the room. Guess what he's doing? He's got the book, and it's open, and he's reading. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I go, see, see, I told you, look, you're reading, you like reading, you could be participating fully with this. And he was, he was participating, but he was just sneaking in a little bit of reading there. And so we had a blast with that. And then several of the kids came up to me later and said, well, we had a really good time in, in um, A-Square. 
an advisory. It's like, well, yeah, those are things you can do every day. That's kind of supposed to be the point of A-square. And uh, so if we could do some more things like that, I think it would be really beneficial and beneficial for the kids. So we may have talked about that one before, um, but it is a really good one, and it's one that you can revisit every once in a while. I mean, you can't do it every day or anything, but um, it is one that, you know, two, three times a year you can certainly do. And we had a really good time with the kids, So, and the kids had a good time with it as well. So... So that's, that's our advisory tip for today. Cool. And um, I think you have some shout-outs this week. Yeah, let's do some shout-outs. Uh, first of all, <laughs> this <laughs> I don't know. I just got, I got chewed out for doing something like this earlier. I don't know if I should do this shout-out or not. But shout-out to Marchwells III. You know, thanks for being on the podcast with us. You know, the one number 95. <laughs> this is 96. Mm-hmm. So thank you, March Wells, for being on podcast number 95. Make sure you listen for podcast n- number 95 and, and, and catch March Wells the third on podcast number 95. And that's all I'll say. Uh, <laughs> shout out to our MSA and MSA traveling buddies. Uh, Jennifer Frizzell, Andrea Mellor. Mellor. Thank you. Yes. Mellor. She's your traveling buddy. She's my traveling buddy. Nancy Keeper, Kathy McDonald, March Wells III, Fran Delaney, and Vicki Moeller. Uh, these are folks who took time, um, most of them who took personal time to go to NMSA to travel with us. Um, and not that they said, hey, you guys are going to NMSA, we want to come along. You know, it was kind of like a, it, it's it's a group thing. It's become a, a what, our fifth year tradition in our building uh, to do this sort of thing. And for them to make that kind of commitment is a huge statement on their part as a commitment to mm-hmm. uh, learning more about their profession, their craft, and a commitment to middle school educators. So we want to do a shout-out to them to say, hey, you know what, good job. Thanks so much. Plus, you know what, most of them were in our session. So we should also shout-out, thanks for coming to our session, because I know one of them has absolutely no interest in what we talked about. <laughs> and uh, But showed up anyway. So mm-hmm. that was very kind of them. That They were our, our homies, our, our home-based support, and we really appreciate that. Oh, we got one more. Um, shout out to Dr. M. Monty Tatum and Susan Hiley for saying hi at the NMSA conference. We talked about in the previous co- uh, podcast about if you see us, shake your hand, introduce yourselves, let us know you listen to the podcast or you know about the website. And uh, these two came over, shook our hands, made sure that they let us know that they follow us either on Twitter or on the website or on the podcast. And uh, so shout out to them. Thank you so much for saying hi at the conference. We really pre- we really enjoyed meeting you, first really, of all. Really, really appreciate really you guys. Nice. Mm-hmm. Paying uh, you know, I shouldn't say paying attention. I feel like I'm back in my classroom. Um, no, uh, <laughs> listening to the podcast and following us on the on the web. Yep. And uh, and one other thing that's on the mind this week, I, was, I just came back from a MAMSI board meeting, and they a lot of the board members are looking for regional coordinators. These are people just help them within their local area, um, do the job of being a board member. And it's not huge time, uh, in, in time intensive type of job or thing, but it it uh, really does help that board member. Uh, make contacts within the area to help keep people uh, affiliated with MAMSI, but also help keep people uh, up on what's going on in middle schools in the state. So board members are looking for volunteers and regional coordinators. There's no limit. They can have two, three, four, or a dozen. It doesn't matter. Um, but if you want to help out in some small way, they're certainly looking for for help. And and you can, I put a link to the webpage. You can be in Ohio, and, 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 and they'd take your help. Of course, we'd steal, we'd steal from members from Ohio, I suppose, too, but... Um, I'm gonna get hate mail from Ohio, aren't I? All right. Yeah, I, I kind of thought. I'm gonna try to get you out of this one. 
We're going to take a look at some right. web spotlights <laughs> before we before we in, 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 enrage any other listeners at this point. And um, just going to do a couple real quick because I want to get to a session or maybe two, maybe a session of NMSA. First one is the Breakthrough Learning Conference. And I thought this was really interesting that they've posted a 50 takeaways and they're just 50 short statements and quotes dealing with uh, breakthrough learning and how learning is going to change. And I think that they're really, really powerful. They're really, really thought-provoking. I'm just going to do just a couple to throw you, to, just to give you something to think about there. Um, schools are moving from institutions to networks. And I think that's a powerful statement What is right there. What uh, Two, what this isn't about, technology. And I think people think this is all about technology, but technology is a piece of it, but it's not just about the technology. Three, this is about convergence. Um, eight, fail fast, fail quickly, fail often. And if you read uh, Carol Dweck's mindset, I think you'd, you understand where that comes from. Very well. Um, uh, on the power of peer-based learning, when we want tips about parenting, we go to peers. Kids are no different. Um, let's grab a, just a couple more here. Um, most kids are in airplane mode when they go to school. <laughs> I like that one. Oh, that is good. Um, that's a, that's an iPod Touch uh, iPhone reference. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Well, it's a it's a communication device reference because you can switch most things to airplane mode, and um, you know. Um, I'm gonna get that on a T-shirt. I'm in airplane mode. <laughs> yeah, I'm in airplane mode. Um, <laughs> must teachers bear the whole burden? Um. And never waste a good crisis. Mm. So, just just some ideas. Well, there's one here that there's fifty of them there. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. But there's one here that goes. Uh, it goes. I don't want to say against, but Rick, Rick we only came up with that article about uh, rote memorization still a useful tool. Mm-hmm. And number thirty-three is rote. Mem- Memorization is no longer necessary. So I'm, I'm thinking a celebrity death match, 50 takeaways versus Rick Wormley. Who would win? Well, I'm not saying that I agree with absolutely every one of these, but I think they're thoughtful. I think they're good little snippets right. that right. can get you to think about, to just to think about uh, things, you know? For example, I'm thinking about a celebrity death match right now. <laughs> I, 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 I hear you. <laughs> Um, I think I'm going to do one more real quick. This is something that I don't have a lot of experience with because I don't need it largely, I think. But this is Tryand. And Tryand is at uh, my.tryand.com. And there's a show notes link there. And this is social networking for public education. Thousands of teachers across the nation are using Tryand and building the best instructional content in the world. Curriculum design, instructional delivery, and performance assessment seamlessly work with others to solve difficult issues without duplicating effort and resources. Teaching teachers helping other teachers, schools helping other schools, districts helping other districts. You are not alone. 
Um, teaching tools are free. Your only cost is for additional storage beyond 50 megabytes. And um, there's thousands of they, this is their their claim. Um, thousands of lesson plans, um, instructional resources, lesson plan calendars, create a test, plain paper scanning, fast, easy NCLB reports. Um, and I I get the feeling this is a very is another version of a content management system. So um, you know my district provides Moodle for us. And that would be a place to go, but I'm I'm seeing a trend with Triand with um, another session that I went to that I'll talk about later called Curriki, which is a mm-hmm. curriculum-based wiki, and there's other ones like Connections with a X instead of a CT, um, where you can share lesson plans, you can share a lot of other things, and I'm starting to wonder is that one of the paths that we're going to need to take to really filter the good stuff, find the good stuff, share the good stuff, and um, make that available for kids. So um, that's something that I think we need to be cognizant of and start looking at and figuring out how this works for me, for you know how it works for us as individuals as well. So we've got that going on. Um, so you can go check that out. It's free. Um, and if you do check it out, please, you know, post a comment for us, send us an email, let us know that, yes, this worked out, this was cool, or nope, hated it, it's this, and it doesn't doesn't do this, and all that good stuff. So, check that out. All right, now let's get to the good stuff. Chomping at the way. <laughs> Have I been? Um, NMSA, 09. Uh, you know, a lot of powerful, powerful stuff, and it's easy to get real overwhelmed. There, There's things from the bigger picture sessions to, you know, very specific, this is what you can do in your class sessions. And one that kind of falls into that second category that I went to was 10 ways to scaffold super summaries across the curriculum. Um Ooh. And this was by Dr. Lori Wilfong from Kent State University. Um, And this was one of those sessions where they told her to expect 39 people and uh, 140 showed up. And, you know, that's the the one thing that's that's fascinating. One of the things that's fascinating about the conference is you never know how many people are going to show up. But... It seems to me when they put them in certain rooms, they would expect, you know, say this room will hold <laughs> this many. So that's maybe one thing that they could improve upon is say, all right, you know, look, based by our numbers, we expect 30 people to show up. However, you are in a room that could hold 120 people. Okay, but she did a really nice job. She ran out of handouts very quickly, but she did um, she did take email addresses and say that she would post everything for us and send us an invite to the post and all that good stuff, which is kind of my second criticism. And that is, I really wish people would just post things instead of collecting Uh email addresses and say, and look, by the way, here's where you can find this. And maybe I'm partial to it because that's the way we did it. (laughs) As we said, look, (laughs) all of this is already up there. Uh, You know, if you want, if you need it, here it is. Here's where you can find it kind of thing. 
All right, but let's go to the the 10 super summaries. We started out with um, the little post-it notes, and we had 10 of them. Um, though as more and more people were coming in, some of us had five because she was, again, expecting fewer people. And it works either way. So what we did is we wrote one word on the piece of paper that describes you. Arrange the words in a, a, in a way that makes sense with somebody. And then you share with somebody. She said this is important because it's important to get kids to write about themselves first. They, they get some going. It's a topic that they're interested in and that they they already have all the prior background to. They have the knowledge of, so you don't have to worry about dealing with that. And it shows them the process. Um, and then you, you can take this out by um, having the kids then do kind of the same thing with whatever it is you want them to summarize whether it's a chapter, a section, a paragraph, a short story, you know, whatever you're having them summarize. Um, and then you can also do have them do ten and then have them cut that down to five so that they now have to make decisions on which ones are more important. Um, once you have the numbers, you can you arrange them in a way that sends the sense. And then you can use those 10 words to create full sentences. Um, and then what that does is um, it, it now is fleshing out that summary. It gives them the idea of the process of boiling it down and then making it kind of whole into a summary again. Okay? So that was one. Clear with that one? Did you okay with that? I gotcha. Gotcha. Nope. Good. Okay. Number two was is SWBST, and that stands for somebody wanted, but so then. And you can actually do a twist on that and do something wanted, but so now. And she read a short story to us called Class Trip um, by David Lubar. <clears throat> which is a cute little short story, um, and you can look it up. Uh, we'll try to link to it, too, in the, in the show notes. And you do the somebody, the who, wanted, what did they want, but, so, and then. Um, and she said that you can also, in some cases, the so and the then will be really close, and you can just drop the then if you need to. Um and that was a it was it's a really cute story, um, and <clears throat> it just uh, allows for uh, you can create a little chart, and I have a little chart of the notes that I was taking as we were going on the uh, tables on the show notes. So you look at somebody want somebody you know who it is wanted what what was going on, um, but what's the problem? What's the what's the conflict? Um, so what's the result? And then. Uh, apply it into the future. Um, and it makes one sentence summaries very easy. Okay. Strategy number yeah. three <clears throat> was, is the most important thing. And there's actually a book by Margaret Wise Brown um, that's the most important thing. And you can use the book as, a, as kind of an introduction to the, the concept here. And basically, it's like the most important thing about daffodils 
is the center is yellow. The petals are white. They grow everywhere. Uh, the leaves are green. But the most important thing about daffodils is the center is yellow. And so you can do the same thing and just set up the most important thing about blank is blank. And then detail, detail, detail. And then, but the most important thing about it, blank is blank. It's it's very repetitious, but with our with middle school kids, that frequently helps um, for them to see that repetition about that. Okay, number four. Um, oh, and by the way, number three, according to the research, is something that helps kids do well on standardized tests because. Uh, frequently, the, that's what that's kind of the kind of structure that the readers are looking for. Um, we know that standardized test doesn't have to be the greatest writing, but it needs to be that structure. And um, so, you know, she says that's that works well with um, for doing well in standardized tests. Okay, strategy four is found poetry. And she said, you can turn anything into poetry. You can take any piece of prose and just turn it into poetry. Um, so first, it's, it's, this is multi-step. Number one, choose a passage that feels important or exemplifies the text in 75 to 100 words. Write that passage on a piece of paper. Carefully discard the words or phrases that are not important. Um, pretend that you have to keep, pay for each word you are keeping and you want to pay the minimum. And she said sometimes what they do is they say, okay, you've got $5, each word costs 20 cents. So kids can only spend up to $5 and they have to get the essence of it without spending a lot of money. Um, copy your saved words onto a page and then cite the author. And she did this for us as she was going because she had a um, you know, the story kind of highlighted there. And so it, and she was, I mean, it just, it's just turning each line into something separate. Um, and it was a cute, it was cute. It was easy to do. Um, and it would give the kids the sense of boiling things down. And for some kids, it might make a lot more sense than a traditional paragraph summary. So that is mm. found poetry. Um, and that works with a variety of sources, um, with fiction and with content as well. You can make a, and, and she said that she does this frequently. She goes in and she, she, you know, takes the science book and turns into poetry. And for a lot of kids, uh, you know, who are especially the, um, girls who are into poetry, that may work for them. Because take your oh, science, there's poetry in science? Yes, there is. And they can create it. Um, so you can check that one out. Uh, strategy five was fishbone, which you're probably familiar with, which is just the putting in uh, a sentence in the, in the middle, and then there's kind of like little fins or bones. It looks like a fish. Um, so the backbone is the like and supporting details. Kind of it's another like, way, it's an, it's another form of graphic organizer. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. It's used as a graphic organizer, and this is just doing a summary with that instead of, um, it's frequently used for pre-writing, but this is just do, using mm -hmm. it as a summary. Right. 
Um, strategy six was four, two, one. And I got to tell you, we do this in my building as a three, two, one, but okay. <laughs> um, and it's, this is one that's very flexible as well. Um, individually generate four words or concepts that summarize your learning. With a partner, you share the two words. Together, come up with two words or concepts about the story. Um, so you're taking, you know, you're, you're boiling it down again and working within groups. So you start individually. Now you're working with um, a partner, and you see if you come up with two words that are in common. And then in a small team, um, and, you know, it would be three to five people, you come up with one word or concept that best summarizes your learning about the learning um, and then you share those as a whole group so you can say okay which group what did your group come up with what did your group come up with so the kids get to hear it from multiple people and the kids get to hear different things from different multiple people it's a way of boiling that down um, so it's four two one um, strategy seven was the final countdown and this is essentially a large triangle with one space in the top two in the middle and three on the bottom um, you write the three most important details. I'm correcting my spelling as we go along here. The three most important details from the story. Um, and then you, you <laughs> write the two questions you still have about the story. And then one way this relates to or connects to material previously learned. Um, so... It's, again, building that from the base up and getting kids that visual to go along with what they have so they can see it as well as, you know, working through. So they have some structure. Um, strategy eight was uh, one that we had some fun with, and that was to create a personalized license plate about the material um, where you know you have used the letter eight to for the, represent the word eight, and you can come up with a whole variety of things. Um, and it's limited to eight characters. Um, and this is something that could be actually fun for um, advisory as well, as you come up with your own personalized license plate. But I digress. Um, and you can expand to symbols as well. So in eight characters, and... One of the examples, she did a couple of examples of uh, license plates that she had. Um, and then she had us come up with some examples. And one she did was uh, the Civil War. And somebody came up with um, BRO v. BRO. Brother versus brother, which I thought was 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 That's nice we come up with that. And I think it's a way for kids to remember th things. Um, so that one may not be used everywhere, but it is. And if you could create some of those and, you know, just make the graphic of a license plate and have the kids write it in there and post it in the room and, the, you know, the kids would see it and remember that. It's a way to make those connections in the brain, something novel. Okay. Strategy nine was magnet summaries. Um which is uh, similar to the 10 words or less. Um, and after each paragraph, they, the kids uh, subtract out the most important word on a sticky. Um, and then they take those stickies, uh, the, you know, the whatever size stickies you're using, 
And then they just put them in an order that makes sense to summarize that chapter. And you could do after each paragraph, you could do, you know, you can adjust the size of there. Number 10 was one that I, that I kind of liked as well. Um, this is, this I thought was a cute thing because it's very visual. Um, and what it is, is you, it's called shaping up review. Um, and you use four shapes, heart, square, triangle, and circle. In the heart, they write the one thing they loved learning about. In the square, they write the four concepts that are important. In the triangle, they write the three important facts. And in the circle, they, they write one all-encompassing statement that summarizes all the important concepts and facts. So I, I think it helps. It's, it's nice it helps build on things. Um, um, and it, again, it has that visual that kids could remember, and you could easily create those. And it's, uh, it doesn't cost a lot of money. You know, the kids can draw them. You could have the shapes uh, and all that good stuff. So, all right, that was my first session. And if you'd like to know more about the session, please drop me an email at middleschooleducators at gmail.com. I'd be happy to share that with you as well. Um, and talk about summarization. And summarization is really big right now because Marzano's research shows how powerful summarization is. Very cool. All right. Very good stuff. That was your first session, right? It was my first session. It was one session. That's just, well, no, and that's not what I'm saying. <clears throat> yes, it was just one session. But Well, and, and, and perhaps that is uh, something we've got to mention is that these sessions are so full-packed so packed full of information and, and stuff. Right. Um, some sessions can't, they can't get um, all the information in that they're trying to present. It's, there's just not enough time. 75 minutes is not enough, which if you think about it, you tell a kid that, they're like, how could you not say everything in the world in 75 minutes? <laughs> <clears throat> I told my kids that we presented, and they said, how long did you talk? And I said, we talked for 75 minutes. And that just boggled their mind. Did you read off of something? I said, no, we didn't read off of anything. We just showed our stuff and just talked. You memorized it? <laughs> I guess you could say that, yes. <laughs> and you talked for 75 Well, yeah. So anyway. And, and this, mine falls in that category of there was way more information than what they could talk about in 75 minutes. This poor guy, he needed a whole double session or a whole morning to talk about his, his stuff. And he flew. And I went, when I say flew through his slides, it's kind of like that teacher you had in, in college that would write with his right hand, and as he's moving along the board, erase with the left. <laughs> That's how fast he was going. This is Dr. Robert Balfans, uh, who was uh, talking about why middle grades matter, and that was my first session. Uh, the findings, there was a Philadelphia study uh, that they did over a course of years, um, they found that one half or more of eventual dropouts can fall off the path to graduation in the middle grades. How early? The question they wanted to answer is how early can they identify it? Can they, is it eighth grade? Is it seventh grade? Is it sixth grade? And they found that they could reliably tell in sixth grade which kids were not going to graduate. They could identify it in the sixth grade that early. And then you got those three years to to address those behaviors. And there are, there are a couple of things that, that shocked me. But let me let me sl skip over really quick to the, uh, the research paper, which you can find the policy brief over on uh, NMSA's website. It is a PDF. 
you will have to search for it. We're going to put a, I put a link in the show notes, which will appear before you hear this. <laughs> uh, yes, they will. But let me, let me talk about some of the summary that is in the, and I want to quote right from his findings that is in the research brief. Uh, critical attendance thresholds, and I'm quoting now, varied by school districts. In some, some district schools, schools, students who missed a month or more of school, schools who missed more than a month of students, uh, which is roughly a 90% attendance rate or less, had greatly diminished graduation odds. Uh, in other districts like Philadelphia, students needed to miss two or more months, roughly 80% or less, to achieve similar outcomes. This suggests that both the number of stays a student misses and how his or her attendance compares with that of his peers signal that a student is not fully engaged and is in danger of falling off the graduation path. And he summarized a lot of this up with ABC, attitude, behavior, and curriculum. And this would fall kind of in that behavior uh, category. And this is the big B right here. Mild but sustained behavior appears to have an independent effect on graduation odds. And I'm quoting again. In other words, not paying attention in class, acting out, and not getting along with teachers in sustained fashion signal disengagement. Left unaddressed, behaviors that typically might generate low mark for conduct or multiple behavior referrals knock students off the graduation path. Thus, schools and districts that do not have data capture these Interactions in a systematic and cumulative fashion ultimately miss students who are uh, clearly uh, uh, miss some students who are clearly signaling they're off track. And here's the key point that he made in his presentation that doesn't really, I mean, it's said here, but doesn't come out in, in the research paper, is that schools track behavior. You write referrals, they put them in the computer, they've got codes, and then they can tell you exactly how many kids were fighting and how many kids were insubordinate and how many referrals were written for, uh, you know, um, Profanity in a, in a classroom, but this is not the statistic that they're focused on. This that that can't tell you the answer to this question whether or not the student is engaged or disengaged. Does the kid pester the kid next to them? Does the how many times in a class period do you have to tell that kid to get back on task, stop bothering, stop doing something else? The number of times you have to tell the student to do that—that's what you need to track, because that's the indicator that's going to tell you whether or not that student is disengaged and that is the indicator that's key, not the referral rate. Obviously, the referral rate will show you a gross behavior pattern, and by gross, I mean large. Right. Um, what you need to focus on is those little teeny things, and it's the teachers that are going to tell you whether or not that, that student is engaged or not based on how many times they have to talk to them during a classroom to get them back on task. And that's the statistic you need to track to determine whether or not a student is, is, is headed for ultimate failure. And the only way to do that is to talk to the teacher. Um, if you're an AP somewhere and the teacher and the teacher's coming to you and saying, ah, oh, Johnny is just driving me out of my tree about, and it's not big stuff. It's just little stuff. That should be a huge, huge signal that, that this kid is in more trouble than, than what meets the eye by the same token. It also means that APs perhaps need to get engaged at a, a more micro level with discipline than a macro level with just the referrals. Now I know APs got a lot to do. They've got a ton to do. You should see Troy's assistant principal. Boy, that poor AP. I don't even know who your AP is, but I feel sad for the poor AP. <laughs> but, she's, um, she's, she, she's very nice. She does a nice job working with the kids. So, and, 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 and she doesn't need another thing to do. But this could be that, you know, you're doing SSTs, you're doing RTI. Well, this should be one of your RTI uh, factors, uh, measurements that you're doing for your, your kids to, just, to tell whether or not they're, they're on track. Uh, another factor, that's a, there was A, there's B. Um, 
Students who fall off track, and I'm quoting again, in the sixth grade tend to have one or two off-track indicators, and it's not just isolated to one thing. Quote, relatively few sixth graders have three to four indicators, that is, failing math and English and having low attendance and poor behavior, a pattern by comparison that is common in high school. The most common combination was for students to be failing either math or English, not both, and to have either an attendance or behavior indicator. A significant subset of students, however, had just one indicator, failing a single class, not attending school regularly or misbehaving. And that misbehaving is, a, is one of the big ones that was not picked up by, by teachers until the study. This suggests that students, at least in the sixth grade, are falling off the graduation path from different avenues. The avenues, moreover, appear to follow basic human reactions to uncomfortable environments, which, of course, would make the uh, case for having a really strong advisory program. The students are fleeing, not coming to school, pushing back, acting out, or withdrawing, coming to school and behaving, but not paying attention or engaging. Notice they're doing time. Um, and then that, that described two different groups of students. There's your one that's the pestering and they're acting out, but then there's also the one that just sits very quietly and coasts through and just very silent, and then hoping you don't see them, out the door they go. Uh, let's see. Earlier students drop off track indicators. Earlier students develop off-track indicators. The lower their graduation odds appear to be. The first year of middle grade is typically the sixth grade year. Much like ninth grade appears to be a make or break year. Across the school districts we examined, most middle grade students developed their off-track indicators in sixth grade. Moreover, students who signaled that they were falling off the graduation path in the sixth grade had worse outcomes than students who did not begin to develop off-track indicators until at least the seventh grade. Uh, students who exhibit off-track indicators in the middle grades are resilient. It's gonna take four years which we think of as high school, was four years. Mm -hmm. Sixth graders who signaled they were failing, or sorry, falling off the graduation path typically remain in school for at least five more years. This indicates that there is a substantial time to interview and that, despite years of struggle, students, perhaps with diminishing motivation, continue to attempt to participate and succeed in their schooling. Um, and the last one is curriculum, which is what they're talking about here. Uh, kids have got to feel successful, whether it be in an encore class or a core class, they've got to feel successful, and then and they've got to they've got to accomplish the curriculum. That was another another key factor. Um, I just jumped through a whole bunch of my uh, my notes here. Course performance is what he called it, or if you read my notes, course performance. Uh, I need a secretary. I'm, that's what I'm going to do next. Next NMSA, I'm hiring a secretary. They can take my notes, and I'll just focus on the other things. Uh, the challenges are met with an inadequate education response, making matters worse. A large number of students with demanding emotional, social, and academic needs in a subset of middle schools. There's insufficient numbers of skilled, stable adults in these schools and neighborhoods. And as a result, middle grade students are in high poverty schools, and they begin to disengage from school in large numbers and accelerating rate. And um, the question is then, what do we need to... Um, do to, 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 to change all that. So he talked about putting it together with early warning and intervention systems. Focus on effective intervention is not just identification. Uh, we need to recognize and build on student strengths. We need to provide time, training, and support to teachers. And he made a critical point, I thought, and it, as, as kind of a side note, we've gone from just teaching to teaching and making sure that kids are staying on track. So in other words, it's no longer just about I teach the kid. It's I teach the kid and then I raise the kid. Um, match resources to student needs, but practice intervention discipline. Nail the discipline at the smallest level. Um, 
I don't want to say nail. I mean, you, you, obviously you do it in a, in a kind and gentle way, but, but don't let things get bigger and don't let things persist. The kid is constantly pestering the, them around you. It should send up flares of, of help uh, from that kid to you. Uh, Diplomas Now program is designed to for the middle and high schools with the greatest number of off-track students, and they're doing things to get kids um, through middle school. They're using AmeriCorps volunteers to follow kids as a cohort. They're identifying these kids, and then those AmeriCorps volunteers that are in the buildings are actually working with the entire class, but they're tasked to those specific kids who have these indicators. And so they are the support for additional support for those kids, both for the parents and for the teachers. And, of course, AmeriCorps kids aren't going to cost you much. Um, oh, and, and they also do continuous monitoring of student performance related to key warning indicators. So they're constantly tracking and seeing whether or not, you know, the kid is improving, if they need continued help or if they're back on the right track and they can go there and focus on another kid. Uh, two things you need to know. There's a place where you can get his PowerPoint. Um, you can get it at http colon slash slash www.every and then the number one graduates.org. And he also posted his email and he said any of us could contact him. So I'm going to extend that to you guys as well. And it's r-b-a-l-f-a-n-z at c-s-o-s dot j-h-u dot e-d-u. And uh, you can interact with him and talk with him about it. But one, one other thing I want to mention Organizational and self-management skills need to be talked. And, and Carol Giselle talked about it in a very practical way, and he talked it in a very theoretical way, but it's the same exact thing, pragmatics, how to be, interact socially, how to stay organized, and how to keep yourself on track. Self-discipline, a lot of it comes down to. So, and, and, and some of these kids, you need to hold their hand to get them into that point. So this was very good. And, and I just doing what I did, it doesn't even touch the surface. And he couldn't even just scratch the surface on his whole research study. And everything he said was just so intently interesting. It bared directly to uh, sixth graders and middle school students and uh, and what we should be doing with those kids to reach those kids who are desperate. This is their way of crying out and telling us that they need help. So, I'm, I'm looking to see if I can find his uh, presentation mm-hmm. because Uh-oh. there's lots of stuff on the site. Did he tell you exactly where it was? Uh, he did not. He just gave us this link. And another thing he did, he posted the link and said, oh, oh, and then I got a website. And he hit the button and he went to the website. So, Or I went to the email. I'm sorry. So um, what I've got there is the basic website part. Um, you may end up having to do some hunt and peck. I, I was just trying to do a little bit of... Um, I understand. I, I did it while you talked. To me. <laughs> <laughs> I, was to, well, I was trying to actually find it because it, it's not something that really jumps right out at you. So um, well, we can find it and post it in the notes later because we'll it's going to appear before they they they. Yes, they are. You know, as, as Sean has now realized after ninety six of these, <laughs> you mean they don't hear us live? <laughs> Hey, I exist in my world. You guys come into my world. It's like one of the kids I had moved to another district came back and said, and said all the kids are coming up to me saying, hey, you're the new kid. And he says, no, you're the new kid. I know who I am. You're the new kid. <laughs> That's good. Perspective is important. <laughs> okay, so a uh, couple things. Check, please check out the website, middleschoolmatters.com. We'd love to, for you to post some uh, comments there. 
And um, you can always send us an email at middleschooleducators at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And, of course, you can head over to iTunes and post a review of the show. We'd love to hear that as well. But um, And we want to keep the conversation open. So we will be talking about some of the sessions that we went to from NMSA over the next few weeks. If you went to a session, we'd love to hear from you. Um, we did make a couple of connections, and we may try to get a few of those people to share with us as well in yes. the upcoming weeks. Yes. Try to make some of those arrangements. Um, and, uh, again, if you went to, to some of the sessions and you'd like to share, we would love to hear from you. So drop us a note. Um, and with that, I believe it is. Until next week, this is Middle School Matters for middle school educators who care.